Let us gather our hearts in prayer. Dear God, this morning we confess that we need the words of Jesus once again. The call to not be afraid. Because there's so much in our lives that we are afraid about. Our job, our relationship, our safety, our health, our world these days. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray this morning for a deep assurance that your love is stronger than our fear, and that you have promised always to be near. In Christ's name we pray, amen. On an empty commuter train in Germany one night, John Roth, a professor at Goshen College, watched as an elderly man boarded the train. And right after him in the night, four skinheads came in after him. And they started spraying the old man with beer mocking and cursing him, kicking him with their boots, and hitting him in the head. Now, John Roth was the only other person in the train that night, and he suddenly was paralyzed by fear. He knew as a follower of Jesus that he had to do something, but he had no idea what. And if any of you know John, you know he doesn't exactly look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so John prayed, God, calm my fear. Calm my fear and show me what to do. And even while he was still uncertain, even before he had clarity about what he should do, he stood up and he went right into that violent scene. And he called out to the old man in his very best German, Hans, how are you? And he reached down and he pulled up the startled old man and he hugged him and he said, come over Hans and come to the back of the train and talk to me. We have so much to catch up on. Well, the old man happily followed him. And the four guys were so startled that they did nothing. And they got off the train at the very next stop. On that train that night, John prayed for God to take away his fear. But fear isn't always a bad thing, is it? I mean, fear is what makes us jump back from a blazing fire or from a growling pit bull. And I've noticed Lancaster has quite a few of those pit bulls. And so I'm jumping back quite a bit. But fear also doesn't just protect us, but it also shuts down our capacity for complex 
and creative reasoning. It arises from our lower primitive brain, neurologists tell us, right back here. Some people call this our reptile brain. And this part of our brain has the special strength of rapid processing. And it has the special weakness of accuracy. Fear rivets our attention on an imminent threat and also prevents us from seeing anything else. The bigger picture, for example. Now, spiritually, fear can be especially paralyzing and destructive. It has a way of eroding our trust in God and turning us into timid disciples. 1 John 4.18 says that there's no fear in love, but the opposite is true as well, isn't it? Fear crowds out our capacity for love. And it also stops us from being able to see and to participate in the kingdom of God. And when this happens, our souls begin to shrivel. After 9-11, Homeland Security famously gave us a color-coded advisory system. Remember that? It was phased out in 2011, I believe. But remember, it was red for high alert, and then orange for a little less, and then orange or yellow, blue, and then green for the lowest. Friends, in your own life here today, what's the color of your fear? How about for our world right now? What's the color of the world's fear? For our nation? How about for our Mennonite family? Our story today about the disciples in their storm-tossed boat appears in three of our four Gospels. But only Matthew records the riveting encounter between Jesus and Peter out on the raging sea. And one of the things you have to know is that in Scripture, whenever you see the raging sea, this is a symbol throughout the Bible of the forces of chaos and fear and evil at work in our world. That's why in Revelation 21, at the end of the Bible, we hear the good news that in God's new heaven and new earth, the raging sea will be no more. Now in this story, and I invite you to turn to it if you find that helpful, in chapter Matthew chapter 14, we find Jesus doing two things at the same time. Both challenging Peter to get out of his boat and also supporting Peter when he gets afraid. Both realities can be heard in my sermon title today. Christ will never leave us alone. Do you hear both of these? Christ will never stop challenging us to grow, to learn, to love. 
And Christ will also never stop being present with us in our storms. And both meanings are very much at work in our story today. So let's turn to the harder meaning first. Christ will never leave us alone or stop challenging us to grow, to learn, and to love. Friends, if you want a risk-free life, then don't become a follower of Jesus. I thought I'd get an amen there. (laughs) Because, you know, the more we follow our Lord, the more He tenders our heart to the suffering of our world, of the vulnerable around us. The more we follow Jesus, the more we find ourselves drawn like a magnet to places we never would have gone apart from Him. Places like sharing a meal downstairs on Monday nights with folks in our community in need. Places like the front steps of the Lancaster Courthouse mourning the dead in Gaza and Israel. Places like a roof on somebody's house in Harlan, Kentucky. Our youth were up there. And add to this list Henry Stewart soon going to serve in Cambodia and Kevin Martin soon going to serve in Pittsburgh. You know, after our baptism, who of us didn't secretly hope secretly hope that following Jesus would mean that all of our storms would be taken away and that we'd be guaranteed a life of smooth sailing. Maybe I was the only one. But at some point, don't we discover that the, the opposite is actually much more true? Discipleship sometimes means sailing into troubled waters while others are safe at home in their warm beds. Just ask the disciples. Kingdom living sometimes means entering into frightening conflict when others would simply turn away. Just ask John Roth. No, Scripture never promises us a storm-free, wind-free, wave-free life. Instead, Jesus promises us that no matter what storm we may be in, He will never leave us there alone. In the storm. And now we come to the second meaning of Jesus will never leave us alone. Because he says to us in this story today, take heart, don't be afraid. And later, in this same gospel, he assures us, I am with you always. I am with you always to the end of the age. In verse 30 today, notice that Peter starts to sink precisely when he becomes frightened. Ever had that sinking feeling? 
Fear makes its entrance in Scripture just 66 verses into the Bible. When Adam says to God, I was afraid and I hid myself. And stories about fear then appear 300 more times throughout the Bible. You see, the problem is is that when we are afraid, it's very hard for us to be merciful, to be creative, or loving. And I think this is maybe why don't be afraid is said to be the most repeated phrase in Scripture. We hear God and God's messengers saying it again and again to Abraham, to Hagar, to Moses, to Joshua, to Ruth, to Elijah, to Mary, to Joseph, and to the shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. Over and over again, God and God's messengers say, don't be afraid. My love is stronger than your fear. And God's raising Jesus from the dead assures us that God's love will prevail in every situation in the end. We hear this same message in our beloved Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Because of this deep assurance of God's presence with us. And one of the most treasured parts of my first year here with you at East Chestnut is hearing your stories about how God has been with you in the storm of an illness a lost job, a deep depression, or some brokenness in your relationships. And last Friday when I was visiting Robert and Elsie, they movingly shared with me about God's presence with them two years ago. This deep assurance that God was with them when Robert came very close to dying from pneumonia that assurance sustained them through that storm. A bit earlier, I asked you about the color of your fear. And I thought I'd get a little personal here and share by way of confession that since my family has come to Lancaster, mine has often been the color of bright red. (laughs) My family felt God clearly calling us to buy a home near our church and to be part of this surrounding neighborhood. 
But since then, I've often struggled with fear and anxiety. As I've seen and heard things that I've never seen and heard before. And I've had to wrestle deeply with my own racism, my own classism, and my own lack of trust in God. In a little bit later this morning, we're going to be singing a song that Danette has been singing to Jasmine for many years as a bedtime lullaby. Don't be afraid. My love is stronger than your fear. Don't be afraid. My love is stronger and I have promised always to be near. And since we moved here to Lancaster, I have started singing this song quietly as I walk down Orange Street past the prison, and over here to work. And as I've been singing this quietly, God has slowly been replacing my fear with love. People who once really worried me now have not just faces, but names. Kenny. Big Bill, Jose, Carol, Lester, Gary, and Denise, each of them I've discovered bearing the beautiful image of God. And nothing has caused me more fear than that prison up the hill. Partly because sometimes in the middle of the night we hear shouting coming out from it. But something amazing happened during my recent prayer retreat all the way in Colorado. My spiritual director at the monastery lives in California. And she shared about a special ministry that she's had for years teaching centering prayer in a prison. And in her words, I felt a very definite sense of call from God to explore doing that right here in our city. And so I ask for your prayers as I try to find out if that's even possible. I share this with you to show that when we heed Christ's call to step out of the boat, we discover that He doesn't offer us an easy life. But who wants an easy life? He offers us instead a life filled with deep transformation, joy, and communion with God and those around us. Jesus gives us front row seats in the kingdom of God. And this connects us powerfully what we learned last week. How Jesus often invites us to take small steps of obedience. You go feed the crowds. 
Peter, you get out of the boat, that deepen our ability to see and then to participate in the kingdom of God. Notice verse 33. These stretching, risky experiences invariably lead us to new and deeper confessions of faith. Truly you are the Son of God. Now the disciples say this now, not because they read it in some book, but because they experienced this reality in their lives. And didn't we see this same clarity of faith in what Karen Gish, Bob and Nancy's daughter, recently said to a reporter. Did you see that amazing article? The reporter asked Karen, do you feel lucky? She said, no, I feel blessed by God that all of my family survived. Hard circumstances sometimes lead us to new and deeper levels of faith and expression. One last thing. Notice verse 23, that this whole story begins with Jesus going up the mountain to pray. And I fear that I'm getting very repetitive every week mentioning this, but it's in the story, folks. It's not just my special interest, which it is. Jesus goes up the mountain, just like Elijah, to pray and to listen for the still, small voice of God. And we see him toggling back and forth between prayer and action, prayer and action throughout his ministry. He's able to carry out God's loving will during the day because he has communed with God by night. And undoubtedly, John Roth's courage and creativity in the face of violence is also the fruit, I believe, of a life immersed in prayer. So let us be that kind of community. that fosters this kind of prayerful listening to God. Let us be a church where we're challenging each other to take carefully discerned risks for the kingdom. Not wild ones. Carefully discerned risks for the kingdom. And in those times when the waters overwhelm us and we have that old sinking feeling, let us be a church that says to each other, take heart, dear sister. Don't be afraid, dear brother. God will never leave you alone. And neither will we. Amen.